over my lifetime, I spent over $100,000 on horse lessons. I was, I was determined to figure this out to, anyway, 100 grand. And at the end of that, I still felt that my voice was trapped inside my body. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, hey, this is Brie Noble, and you are tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And on today's episode, I have brought in another vocal coach. I like to have a vocal coach on here, oh, every few months, because they all have such different approaches, and there's a lot of great vocal coaches out there. And so I want to introduce all of you to different techniques and different coaches and different styles. So today I have Sally Morgan, and she's going to talk about her method called Sing Like You Speak. And this is a method that she developed over a long period of time researching and frustration with her own inability to find a system that worked for her and all the coaching that she took to try to find a system that she liked and couldn't find it. So she went out and developed her own. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her in a minute. But first, I want to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Muddy Paw PR. This episode of the Female Entrepreneur Musician is brought to you in part by Muddy Paw PR. Through their highly personalized public relations campaigns for DIY artists, they've secured placements on Alternative Press, Substream, New Noise, and more. With their artists going on to play festivals like Warped Tour, So What, and gain licensing deals and regular rotation in stores like Starbucks and Hollister. Find out more at MuddyPawPR.com. Now here's a little bit about my guest, Sally Morgan. Sally Morgan wrote the book on contemporary voice technique, literally. Her book, Sing Like You Speak, is specifically designed to restore the effortless singing that is natural, making your singing powerful, joyful, and free. Sally's technique makes singing feel simple, like talking to your best friend, all without sounding trained. So here is my interview with Sally Morgan. So that's a little bit about Sally Morgan. So Sally, is there anything about you that's maybe a unique, quirky, a little bit different that's not in your bio that you think our listeners need to know about you? Well, my friends would definitely say there's a lot that's quirky about me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am thoroughly obsessed with finding the answers to everybody's singing questions. And I've, I've been at this for a long time. I don't know that my bio really reflects that, but I am a mom and a grandmother and have kept my career going throughout it all. And I've, I don't know that I should tell you the quirkiest things about me. Oh, come on. That's the best part. (laughs) 
the quirkiest thing. I'm, I'm a vegetarian who eats bacon. I love that. You know, my daughter had a friend who said, I would be a vegetarian except I love bacon. So well, I get I was, that. I was just, uh, a friend of mine actually wrote a song called Bacon. <laughs> and, and she just sent it to me and she, she said, you have to do this in your next gig. She knows I'm a vegetarian who eats bacon. So, and it's hysterical. Mary Liz McNamara wrote it and it's, it's just so funny. <laughs> That's awesome. And it makes a great story at a gig too, for sure. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> so let's find out, how did you get started? started in music? Well, I came out of the womb singing mm. and it, it was just the only thing I ever wanted to do was music. And so I don't, I don't recall getting started. Mm. It just always was. Even in junior high school, I was directing and, and I was musical directing. So I was playing and directing the grade school students for their musical. Wow. So it started a long time ago. And it, again, I, I don't recall it starting. It just was. Mm. And I realized fairly early on that, you know, I love to perform. I am totally an entertainer, but teaching is an absolute passion. Mm. And I'm really lucky there. I'm really lucky there that that it's, it's not my fallback. It's really what I love to do. No, you are, you are totally lucky there because Mm -hmm. it's true that many people fall back on it because they need to, because they need the income and they're not making income from gigs. Right. So you kind of the other way, like you love the teaching. You also love the gigs and I'm sure you're doing both. Yes. Yes. I think it's, I think it's important for someone who teaches to also gig. Uh, it's not usually the case, believe it or not, mm. that uh, voice teachers actually perform as well. And I, I actually heard an interview with a woman here in New York who is a very, very well-known voice teacher. Uh, and the interviewer asked her, do you demonstrate vocally for your students? And she said, oh, yeah. But don't ask me to sing a whole song because I can't do it. What? Yeah. Really? And I was, I was astounded. I, I, I said, no, no, no. And I started planning my next gig right then. Oh, my gosh. That's I, crazy. I think that's wrong. Yeah. I, I, I do think that's wrong. But I am, I am so lucky to have both sides of the coin that are things I'd love to do, but teaching is just an absolute passion. So it's good. Love so it. I've been, yeah, I've been musical director in a theater, another job I absolutely loved. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a pretty good piano player. <laughs> so that's how I've been able to do those, those kind of gigs. I've been artistic director in a conservatory. I've... Oh my gosh, I could go down a long list of things that I've done. But. Mm. Well, and I, and I read, you know, on your site that although you were, you know, doing this performing and teaching and all that, you were kind of eternally frustrated 
for years yeah. that you were not getting the kind of vocal technique training that you wanted that was going to work for you. And yes. you, you had a long journey on creating, you know, what is your vocal technique training now? So I'd love to hear like, what was the training that you had? Why was it frustrating mm-hmm. you? Okay. That's a great question because I think that an awful lot of people have run into this. Now, you have to understand that it was 100 years ago when I started voice lessons as a teenager. Well, not quite 100, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, classical. Classical singers. Mm-hmm. They were the That's only just what ones. you do. Yeah. No, we thought they were the only ones who knew what they were doing. And at that moment in time, that is very, very true. I, I, you know, I learned, I learned a lot about how the voice works. And more than that, I learned teaching styles and what, what I thought was effective and what was not. The guy sticking his hands down my pants to make sure I was supporting, not. Oh, no. Oh, believe me. (laughs) I, I went through a lot of it. And the classical training is great for classical singers. I'm not a classical singer. And so this, were you ever a classical singer? Uh, I was in an opera chorus. I, I sang at people's weddings. You know, I sang Ave Maria at people's weddings. And but you didn't aspire to be one. Absolutely not. Mm. No. It yeah, it was, was pretty much the same way. I mean, I enjoyed classical singing. And I enjoy yeah. that I can do it now because it's, it's like a facet that I have that other singer-songwriters don't. Mm-hmm. What I really wanted to do was be a singer-songwriter. And I felt like the classical training was actually making that impossible because I was singing in such a weird and stilted way. Yes, you, were, you were doing what I call yes. using the singing voice. Yes, <laughs> yes. You're way up in there using, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And... I, th- I think my, my come to Jesus moment was when the last woman that I studied with, and I studied with her for a long time, she said, oh, oh, that's right. You, your music is lyric driven. What? <laughs> what? So classical music isn't lyric driven? All right. No, 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 no. It's all about the tone. And I said, but how do you communicate? And I have another friend who actually sings with the Metropolitan Opera. And when I told him about this, he said, that's why they hate opera. <laughs> it's, yep. it's, it's because there's no, or I won't say across the board, but there's no communication happening. And yeah, it's true. It's true. I actually worked for an opera company for several years, not oh. as a singer, as a director of finance. But it's true that I, I would hear you know, the artist's conversation that they'd have about this. And, you know, they're like, it's all about how we sing it, not actually communicating the scene and what's happening. And, you know. Well, yeah. And those of us in this singer-songwriter world, I obviously go to a lot of singer-songwriter nights to support my students and when they're performing. And it's very interesting to watch the audience. Everybody's polite for the first 32 bars. <laughs> and then you start talking to your neighbor, you're drinking your drink, you're writing on your program. <laughs> mm. 
because there's no, there's nothing happening. Unless, unless they are really drawing you in with a story. Yes. Unless it's my students up there. (laughs) Ha ha. Really communicating with the audience. And so, so yeah, that was missing in the classical training. All right. So this is what I told everybody at South by Southwest where I presented a few weeks ago. Over my lifetime, I spent over $100,000 on horse lessons. I was, I was determined to figure this out to, anyway, 100 grand. And at the end of that, I still felt that my voice was trapped inside my body. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could feel it. I could physically feel it. And I just so, didn't so know. I know I gotta ask. I, I know you yeah. kind of switched from classical to going to voice teachers that were yeah. more focused on singer songwriters. So how did how did yeah. that go? What was wrong with that? Well, I found that the teachers didn't know anything about the voice. Oh, <laughs> I had a decent knowledge of the voice at that time, and they just didn't know. I. I Okay, so the last, quote-unquote, non-classical teacher I went to, I, after a while I said, I need, I need to learn more about breathing because I knew there was something missing with that. And he said, okay, well, think of your belly like a balloon and put pressure on it from all sides. So dedicated student that I was, I spent the week doing that, came back constipated, of course. <laughs> and I, he said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I need to talk about breathing again. He said, we did that last week. Nope. Breathing is the foundation of the whole thing. And oh. I knew that then. I just didn't know how to help myself. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. how did you go from that to... I mean, it's a big deal to do the kind of research and dedication that you did to create your sing like you speak technique. How did you, what Mm -hmm. do you think I can, I can figure this out? (sighs) You know, I don't know what made (laughs) me think I could figure it out. Just my determination. And uh, I was introduced to... Well, it's, it's, uh, I think it's maybe a master's thesis, but uh, called Singing and the Brain by Robert Schuwen. Mm. And he, his theory was that singing and speaking are really the same thing. Now, in his treatise, it's so ridiculously difficult to do what he asks you to do. And I thought, this is, this is the right idea. It's just the wrong methodology. And I, I just kept going back to, it's natural. We, we, were, we were given this amazing instrument to communicate with. Mm. So why is it so difficult? Why doesn't it work right? And I, so I kept going back to what is natural. And that was a lot of my research was how does this instrument work without all the crazy thoughts that we have about it, without 
the preconceived notions. Um, and I was starting to have grandchildren by that time. And they were the loudest people on the planet. <laughs> and there's, there was no thought process about it. They just, because their little bodies are ramrod straight, there's nothing that has interfered with the process yet. Yeah, so, I remember having this conversation when I was in vocal techniques class and like, uh, our teacher was like, you know, babies, they produce the, their voice absolutely perfectly. They have no breathing yeah. issues. Like there's nothing mm -hmm. you know, constraining their breathing apparatus. Like, yeah. yeah, that's so true. And then I had a daughter and this girl, she could make sounds <laughs> that were so loud that like when we first moved into a new place, our neighbors were like, how many children do you have? And we're like, one. And she's like, I thought you had like three or four considering the noise that was coming from your backyard. <laughs> she's, she's a one woman band. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh my God. So what are we doing? What are we doing to ourselves that is putting uh, all this constriction and. Well, okay. Really good question. <laughs> the voice is a unique instrument in that. It's alive. It's alive. <laughs> and it, so it has moods and sickness and et cetera, et cetera. Allergies that I'm dealing with right now. Allergies. Oh, it's very frustrating. The worst part is that it has a mind. Oh. And I'm not talking the brain. I'm talking the mind. Mm. That mind that is constantly saying, oh, that's not good enough. Or that can't possibly be right. Or you, it needs to be something more, something different, something, something. So is it comparison that's causing that? Because babies don't have comparison. No, no, I do not think it's comparison. Hmm. Um, this, this is part of my research that I, that I have not been able to complete because well here's my theory and this is just theory it begins when the body alignment begins to alter like you're feeling shy and you pull in mm -hmm. at the heart uh, teenagers get cool and they have to slouch <laughs> And so that means that the instrument can't perform naturally. It has to start using some push and shove here for the voice to sound. And then you think, oh, but that's not my voice. It needs to be more. And then you push more. And, and then you develop habits around that mm. that, that are not natural. And again, I, I really don't know where all of these odd ideas that we have come from. <laughs> um, I, I can still hear my dad saying things and I can, I can hear, I have a lot of students who come in and say, well, yeah, when I was in grade school, they told me just to mouth the words oh. and just, just to be quiet. And I, th I think that is such a disservice. It's cruel, really. So if your thought 
is singing is difficult. You're going to work really hard Mm -hmm. to make that sound. And then that becomes the habit. Mm. It is not the way the instrument functions naturally, but it is the habit. And then you hear it and you don't like it. And then you try to do something else that's weird and different. (laughs) Instead of just stripping it away. Yes. Yes. So what, I mean, besides that kind of like pushing that we do, what, what are the other bad habits that you see that people come in with as your oh, students? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will, conserving breath, holding breath, mm-hmm. thinking that they'll get through a phrase mm-hmm. better that way. No. The minute you hold breath, you are constricting the instrument. You yep. are giving up your freedom, you're actually, usually when people hold the breath, it, you can hear what happens right now, it affects, you're holding around the larynx where the vocal folds are. Right. And so they can't vibrate. Mm-hmm. They can't vibrate as they ought to. Yeah, my teacher used to say sing on the breath. But you know, it's so interesting how these te- teachers have like these metaphors or the ways of describing things and and yeah. sometimes that resonates with you. And sometimes you're like, I don't understand what you're telling me to do. Right. Right. But I and got that one. I think I got that one. Right. Well, what I, I'm constantly changing what I say until I see the student's eyes light up. Mm. And then I know I've got the right thing. And that's what I stay with. Because there are a million different ways to say that. So releasing breath is how I want, I like mm. to think. Uh, people also do not trust the natural process, this natural process of the body and how absolutely brilliant your instrument is. It's perfect, perfect, Mm. but we mess with it. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We do. I can, I can hear the truth in that. (laughs) In the way you said it, Brie. Um, And we do have extra special challenges now, I believe, with the music that we listen to. If you're listening to contemporary singers, you are basically listening to an electronically altered Mm. sound, which cannot be reproduced by the human instrument without more electronic alteration. Now, do you think that's true of all singer-songwriters? I mean, you know, say Ed Sheeran or Sarah Bareilles, do you think they're having their vocals electronically altered to be perfect? In a recording, yes. What I like to do is watch the music video and then go find an acoustic YouTube Mm -hmm. and compare. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating because you, you hear, you hear so much on the acoustic recording or I do because it's what I do every day. And then you, you listen to the music video. And I mean, nobody sings that in tune all the time. No, but also then when you do that, you're, you're losing like the vocal nuance or some of the vocal character yeah. in the acoustic yes. version. You're, 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 you're losing, I think you're losing truth. Mm. 
You're losing the truth that comes through a really good artist as they, they do a song. And that to me is a terrible shame. Mm. It's just a terrible shame. And for I, especially kids, oh my gosh. Mm. I don't work with, I work mainly with professionals, but I do work with some kids. And they are trying so hard to reproduce that sound. And if they're trying to reproduce Adele, they're in big trouble. Yeah. Because she has such bad vocal damage. I know. And why on earth someone like that isn't getting good vocal training, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, why do you think people like Mel and others are are suffering these vocal nodes and yeah. I mean, um, it's some of it that they're, they feel like they're expected to sound like the recording. And so they're pushing themselves live. Well, there, lots of these artists, they have, they have an engineer, uh, during, uh, mm. a live performance as well. They have somebody doing auto tune. That's too bad. <laughs> all through their performance. And, and I just all, don't go to those kind of shows. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, not, I, don't, I didn't even know that. Cause I, oh, I much yeah. prefer to go to like a singer songwriter night. Yeah, where it's real. Huge concerts where they have all that. Yeah. Well, I, I, one of the things that I have been told, particularly by indie artists, is that they, they don't study voice because they're afraid that they're going to sound trained. You mm-hmm. know, like, like we were talking about yes. before. They don't want to sound like this. Well, neither do I. <laughs> uh, so, and... And, and, and folks like Adele, they're pushing and shoving and people love it. They absolutely love it when the artist holds out a note for 18 bars. Hmm. And if you don't know how to do that comfortably, you're going to damage. Hmm. And it's, it's that pushing and shoving and that... And I, again, I don't get it. These people have all the money in the world. This is their profession. And yet they don't get the training that they need that would, that would save their careers. Well, maybe they're afraid that they'll lose that care. I mean, Adele definitely has that character of like her voice could break at any minute and sometimes it does and it's cool how it does, but then that's probably damaging her. And she's Absolutely. afraid that she's going to lose that if she gets good training. Well, but good training, she's not going to lose that. That's mm. the whole point. She won't lose that because there are healthy ways to, to sound like you're on the edge mm. without you know, your vocal cords bursting and bleeding, <laughs> no, which is what that. happened to her. It sounds so terrible. Ugh. It is terrible awful and so i i think the pressure that those folks are under is horrendous mm. but there there are ways to train the voice when you know your voice so intimately that you know that oh oh yeah that one little muscle i didn't release that okay now now i'm now i'm doing better mm. you have to know your instrument that well Hmm. Well, let me ask you a practical question for those sure. that are listening. What, 
what is the healthy or what are some healthy ways for them to warm up their voice to make sure that they're not starting off on the bad foot? Okay. okay. <laughs> now you're into fun stuff. Well, yeah. fun for me because I'm a voice nerd. So body alignment is always first. Posture. Your body is the instrument. And uh, in my book, I have, a, I have a sketch of the vocal anatomy. It's you sliced in half vertically. Mm. And you can see that it runs, <clears throat> the whole system runs parallel to the spine. So think of your neck and spine as the neck of a guitar. You wouldn't dream of bending the neck of a guitar. Mm. But that's what you do to your vocal instrument. So posture is first. Next, just be aware of breath movement. And my best breathing tip is use the inhale to open your instrument. Mm -hmm. Opening it. It's not, (gasps) (laughs) no. It's actually, my my inhale is quite silent. Mm -hmm. And because what I'm doing is opening. And when you open the instrument, breath comes in. You don't even need to think about it. You're just, you're opening and the breath comes into the body. So I, I, when I'm teaching and, and for my online training, I have meditative breathing exercises. Mm. So you take that four or five minutes to just completely focus on how's the breath coming into my body and how am I releasing that breath, not shoving it out, but releasing it. Then next step would be to get a nice opening inhale and then exhale saying an F. And it's just, you're not pushing the breath out you're just letting it float because what this does is is it establishes a clear path through an open instrument for the breath and sound to follow so we use an unvoiced consonant the f allows you to open your resonators which i call the ozone (laughs) and thing like you speak and then you follow that and you need this right now because you got some phlegm happening. Mm -hmm. It's a great exercise for phlegm. And this is an exercise that I do every morning before I talk. I won't talk until I've used this. And it's that same beautiful opening inhale. And then using a pure V as though you're a motorcycle. You, if you do that, you'll notice that your abdominal muscles kick in like crazy. It's, it's a very close approximation of the vocal cords together. So it can shake any phlegm off the cords. And you have allergies, you mentioned. It's a great way to shake the phlegm off your cords without, <coughs> you know, that, yes. which is very damaging. I know, or the <clears throat> that thing. That's the worst. Yeah, that's, that's worse. <laughs> So use the V and then use phrases from your songs. I, I never do exercises on vowels. Hmm. What of, yeah, there are vowels in words, but 
that's not how I sing. Well, it's so true. Like you can do all, you can do great stuff with just the vowels when you're doing the exercises, but then you introduce those consonants, it changes everything. So that's it smart sure to use the actual phrase. Yes. Yes. So I use phrases. I actually teach that consonants are, well, they are. Consonants connect us to those deep abdominal back and core muscles that we need to use. And so really using your consonants activates the voice. And we can use our consonants for phrasing and rhythm and expression. It's almost so, like a trampoline, like the, co- the consonant is when you're hitting the trampoline and then, you know, you're in the air during the... That's your vowel. Yeah, it's, 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 it, it works for me anyway. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's exactly the concept. And you can't push on the vowels. It's not possible. But you can spit those consonants out so that you have a very vibrant form of communication. So say the phrases in different ranges. Mm. Say and then sing them in different ranges so that you are, you're warming up the whole voice. And, oh, I could go on and on with this. Oh, that's really helpful. I actually never, never have done warm-ups with phrases from my songs. I think that's really smart. Never have. No, I've just had this certain warm-ups. And, you know, I I feel like I've gotten um, a really great, like, I'm understanding everything you're saying. It makes total sense. I've gotten a great training vocally, classic, on the classical side. Like, I was only trained classically. But translating that into singing as a singer-songwriter, that's where I think for me the disconnect was because I never had a teacher Mm. that did that. Right. So what's, give me a phrase from one of your songs. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know. I don't, I don't sing out that often nowadays, but um, let's just say I sang something the other day. So like beautiful, the teardrop, let's see. So let's see. Okay. That's good. That's good. Okay. So if, if, if we're going to use the phrase beautiful, the tears, mm-hmm. and this is a very sing like you speak kind of way to do it. I'm, I sit at my keyboard. Love it. So. Beautiful the tears. So I'm speaking beautiful the tears. And the bew is on that pitch. Beautiful the tears. It's so easy to say it. Mm. We're so we're so relaxed and calm. And then I'm I'm gonna use that exact same a physiological approach. Beautiful the tears. Beautiful, the tears. Hmm. And then I get this amazing connection to the communication and that ease of producing sound. There's no freak out. And if I'm going to do it up here, beautiful, the tears. It's just a different expression of the same lyrics. Because you know when you write, a song, you're, you're going to put different lyrics at different pitch levels because of the expressive quality at that pitch. Hmm, I love that. That is, yeah. that is really helpful. So let's, and this has been like a little mini lesson. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to get back to like what you do. So do you, do you teach privately? Uh, do you have like online programs? Do you teach online? Like what is the, the scope uh, of what you do? 
okay. Um, anything and everything. No, <laughs> I, <laughs> I teach privately. I teach here at my studio in New York City. And I also teach on Zoom video conference. And I teach people all over the world that way. Mm. I, I do workshops such as the one I just did at South by Southwest. I'm presenting a workshop called Myth Busters for Singers at the Voice Foundation Symposium in June. So I do a lot of that kind of thing. I run online classes. So I do group classes. And I also have the Sing Like You Speak Academy, which is all online training. And there are over a hundred lessons mm. in the academy. It's very thorough. Voice nerd, yes, I know. <laughs> um, but it's a very thorough education for your voice, and it's it's convenient. It's I'm I'm just really really proud of it. The Sing Like You Speak Academy, mm. and one of the reasons why I developed it was that. Uh, private lessons can get expensive. Yes. And says me who spent over a hundred grand, but <laughs> this is a way that people can get the same training for lots less money. Mm. And, and I wanted everyone to have it. I have a voice builder warm up video that I sell. I wrote a book, Sing Like You Speak that has practice tracks and it's, it, that's great too. I'm in the midst of rewriting that at the moment. Mm. So you've got uh, all the media options if they want to. So I'm assuming your, your course is like video demonstrations and. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yes, wow. it is. It's, it's me teaching you demonstrating. Sometimes I have students in the video as well. So you can see me working with someone because that's very valuable. Do you think that people can get enough training from just that? Or do you think that it's good for them to go through something like that and also have some kind of a local teacher or someone that they teach online where they're actually, you know, have that interplay? I always recommend that if you can do it, get with me in person, whether it's in the room or on video conference. Uh, you can learn an awful lot on your, I have one woman who said that between the book and the website, she has just completely changed her singing. Mm. Good. Great. Wow. It's, it's always better to get the feedback. You want it. You want that feedback to be from me or someone that I have trained who's certified mm. to teach sing like you speak. So you do certify other teachers to do your. I do. That's yes, cool. I do. And because it's very, very specific, it, and it's different. Mm. It's really different from other techniques. How many certified teachers do you have? Only one at the moment. Oh. I just started doing this because, as, as you can hear, <laughs> I've done a lot. Mm-hmm. Of, and and just, just building the online academy, the Sing Like You Speak Academy took years to do. Oh, trust me. I know. I do online yeah. courses. It takes a long time. It does. It does. It's just incredible. And all the technology, crazy. Well, I'd love to know, like, 
you know, of all the people that you've had a chance to work with, of all the places you've had a chance to speak, is there anything that you were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this, pinch me, I've, you know, I feel like I've arrived. What, what would that be for you? Yeah, South by Southwest was that for me. Mm. To, because I was saying to somebody there, you know, the, the level of speaker here is really high. I'm so impressed. Mm. Oh, I'm one of them. <laughs> I, it, was, it was this smack in the face. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that's always a cool experience when you, when you look around and you're like, wow. Yes. And there, Wait, there, I'm in this group of people. I know. But there, there was a, a defining moment for me when I was... I had developed Sing Like You Speak. I hadn't started teaching it to others yet because, of course, I had to retrain my own voice in it. And I was doing a gig, and about halfway through the gig, I thought, oh, my gosh, I haven't sung a note all night long. Oh. I've just been talking to everybody. <laughs> but they've been clapping. They've been having fun. And, of course, I was singing. Oh, my gosh. But the feeling was so easy. That I actually thought I was just speaking. Wow. Yeah. That is a defining moment, especially for that the, was the, know, the name of your method. Yes. Sing like you speak works. It's <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing to find out about this method that you've developed and, you know, all of your struggles over the years. And I, I always love when people create things because they've tried everything and struggled and been frustrated and then just created it out of necessity for themselves. And then it's something that they share with others and it helps yeah. so many people in that ripple effect. So yes. thank you for doing that. Oh. Um, let us, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and more about this method. Sure. Well, the website is singlikeyouspeak.com. So go there. There's all sorts of goodies there. And anyone who is listening can also email me, singlikeyouspeak at gmail.com. Oh, you got that one. That's awesome. And yeah, and I'll give you a 15-minute consultation for free. Hmm. It's, this is not a lesson, but it's, it's a chance for us to chat and see if we work well together. And I will tell you very honestly whether I feel I can help you achieve your singing goals. Fantastic. Thank you for offering that. Yes. And how can they connect with you? Are you on social media or? Oh, yeah, I do forget about that. Okay. Yes. So Instagram is sing like you speak, all spelled out. Twitter is sing like the letter U speak. Mm. Facebook, sing like you speak. Uh, I think it's the same for LinkedIn. Mm. Did I get them all? I think you did. I think okay. you did. Well, I'm going to go connect with you on Instagram right now. For Yay. Sure. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you offering these like practical demonstrations. I think that's so helpful, especially on a podcast when we can, you know, enjoy the voice and you're probably right in people's headphones while they're, you know, on their daily walk or something and maybe they're singing along. So I think that's, it's really cool. useful. Oh, well, I, it, it's my joy. It's my joy. Thank you for the opportunity to share with everybody. You are welcome. 
Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.